0: Part of our usher team right there doing an amazing job. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Uh, today I want to begin a series called The Blessing. Now I know that we've not been in the uh, greatest season of the church's life. However, it can still be a season of blessing. Amen. Amen. And I don't want to change what we were going to speak on because I think it's imperative one of the greatest regrets Pastor Dosick had, and he shared this with us, was when he said, I have neglected to teach on money in the church. I said, what do you mean, Dad? You teach on tithing every single week. He said, Nicole, that's not the same There's stewardship, there's giving, there's receiving, there's this blessing that comes. He said, I didn't do it because I didn't want people to think our church was all about money. So I'm here to say that we're not going to shy away from money. We're going to teach about money because it's very, very important to God. Not that it was just important to Pastor Dosik that he saw maybe he didn't teach as much as he could have about that, but because it's important to the kingdom that we talk about money, all right? So don't get all upset. It's for one month a year, literally, but I think that it's necessary that you as a body, as a believer, are well-rounded. How would it be that if we taught our kids about everything but money? Do you think they would be well-rounded children? Would they be good contributors in society? Would they be givers in their church? There it is. So we as Christians need to be rounded. So that's what's important in a shepherd's life... ...that we're looking out for you... ...and showing you... ...and leading you down a way that you're not fearful of. You realize sheep are fearful of loud water? That's why it says he leads me by still waters. Because he knows that rushing water makes a sheep fearful... That's the shepherd's heart for you. So we too are going to lead you in the way that you should go... ...so that you're not fearful of what's to come. Let's pray today. Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, before we begin this series... ...God, I know that you've been preparing the hearts of the people that are here. Father, before the beginning of time, you created this day... ...and you've executed and supported, brought people to this place... ...to hear what's about to be shared. Father, that you've put upon this house's heart... Father, that we would share it according to what your word says. Not what our mind says, but God, what your word says. And Father, I just thank you that it would penetrate the hearts of people here. And God, that it would be trusted, God. That they could trust in your word, God. And they would begin to walk in its way. 100% in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, as a child of God, do you know that you are promised blessing? Promised blessing. Blessing, You might be saying, oh, Pastor Nicole, I don't know about that. You aren't looking at my checkbook. You don't know what I've gone through in the last months. Here's what I'm here to say to you. Sometimes blessing doesn't come until you do what the Lord says you should do. And that's a hard thing to do. In order to live in a constant place of blessing your entire life, imagine wherever you step, you are blessed. Wherever you step, you're blessed with favor. You're blessed with extra time. You're blessed with with financial resources. You're blessed with someone who took the extra step to work with your child in school who maybe was struggling in a class... Everywhere you go, blessing comes and lives your life. You start living a life of blessing. So I want to start in Deuteronomy 28. This is where the blessing in the Word begins. Actually, a little bit before here, but this is where it talks about doing what we're going to do today. Deuteronomy 28.1. And I'm going to read this out of the NLT. It says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep... All of his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns, your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and your flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies, not you. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee, guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. We just learned from the scripture that blessing comes when you and I obey. If we want blessing to overtake us, and I think we do, do we? Then we have to apprehend what God says is ours. ...apprehend, possess, lay a hold of what God said is ours. And if God says that it's ours, he's not a man that he should lie. He only tells the truth. And it must depend upon your and I's responses to what we apprehend. Am I right? Why do you think it's called only believe? Because if you can believe what the word says, it can be yours. Notice that God wasn't looking for a portion Of obedience from his people he was looking for full obedience a couple weeks ago I said to delay is to disobey how many times does the Lord have to ask you to do something to walk in the way of the Lord how many times do I have to ask my toddler to pick up those toys and they look at me and they, mm, they think about it before they say no And then you go, you know, we sing the song, clean up, clean up, everybody's got to clean up. And we try to get them in the mindset of doing what I asked them the first time. But there comes a line that I finally look at them and say, I'm going to talk to you one time. You need to pick up those toys. And if they don't, there's going to be a correction. If you read further on into Deuteronomy, it is cursed if you do not. Cursed if you do not. So you get blessings if we do and cursing if we don't. It's that simple. Life is full of choices. We either choose good or we choose bad. Saying yes to everything that the Lord asks us quickly, quickly. Listen to this. This is what a commentary said about disobedience. Disobedience is simply a refusal. Some people don't look at disobedience as a refusal. They just say, well, I didn't want to do it. No, it's a refusal to submit oneself to the will or the word of God. You're refusing to submit. And the root cause of this disobedience is sin. And sin is connected to the human heart. It inclines the human heart to disobey... And become self-reliant Woo! self-reliant is sin and disobedience when you think that your way is better you become disobedient here in your heart and when you do that you don't obey God's Word because you believe your way is higher than the Word of God and then blessing is put away from you you see where I'm going with today's message You thought this was going to be all about money, didn't you? Oh, it is. Because money starts right here. Your heart is connected to your obedience. Do you see when when Lincoln cut that corner of that paper, he was was being compliant, but he was fearful at first. He was fearful that maybe this wasn't going to work, right? But the minute he began to obey and take the step of faith... It was connected to his blessing. But if he never would have cut the corner, he never would have received the blessing because God had told him what it was going to take to get more. Don't mind you, this is not a message about getting more. We're going to look at two different hearts in the Bible. I want to give you a little preface. It's Saul versus David. These were two kings in the Old Testament, for those of you that might not know. The first king appointed over Israel was Saul. Oh, he was good-looking, the Bible said. And it said he was courageous. Oh, he was in the beginning. He began his reign in obedience. Oh, but he ended his reign in disobedience. Because he started to build inside of him little tiny pieces of pride and self-reliance. And he started to think that God needed him. And he didn't need God. I'm just going to be honest with you. He began to listen to the people that he was leading instead of listening to the God that was leading him to lead them. Let me reassure you, congregation, sheep, God has commissioned someone to lead this church. We will lead But in no way, shape, or form will we be leading according to what you ask us to lead by. We will only listen to the word of the God and lead you through that word. And it will purpose the right place for you and the right safety for you. Because sometimes you might not be able to see what is best for your life. But God's already foresaw the end from the beginning. And as long as we are listening to him, then I ask that you listen to the shepherd that he gave and put over your life. For we mean you good. Good. Saul lost track of that. He started listening to the people and what they wanted. They thought they knew more than God. See, sin had begun to breed in their heart through pride and self reliance. At the time, he rejected Saul. He said, I even hate that I made you king. Yep. Oh, my gosh. They were big words. So Saul, after this, he brings a sacrifice and an offering. Oh, no, Lord, please receive it. You know what God said? Nope. Don't want it. The scent of that coming to me is ugh. You want to know why? Because God looked upon the heart of Saul. He didn't look at what he brought. He looked at what he Brought. And in this was evil. In this was Saul's own pride. And he was just trying to hide what was in here by bringing and doing what he thought everyone wanted him to do and what God thought was right. Let me tell you something if God says it's right, it's right. It's not what you think is right. And that's the problem with Saul. He got a little in the way place where his heart became a condition that wasn't good, his heart became sick. It was no longer healthy. Let me say this some of us, we look like a doer. We start out well, but we end up deceived, prideful, and walking in our own way. It happens to all of us, but what we do is this as quickly. As we see, as quickly as the Holy Spirit brings it to our attention, we repent. We lay ourselves out in front of God and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I don't want to be like that. That's not who I am, Lord. For you're inside of me and I'm like you. Make me more like you. That's how we quickly repent. God is speaking to us all today. He's looking at our finances. He's looking at our lives and he's saying, if you will trust me, If you will trust me, if you will rely upon me, if you will throw aside your pride, throw away your self-reliance, I'm going to take care of you. I was talking to Miss Karen before service, and she was telling me the story how she was putting on a deck her and her husband, and they had went and bought the wood, and all of a sudden these people came out and saw her on a ladder. And they're like, Miss Karen, get off that ladder. You shouldn't be up there. If you don't know Miss Karen, she's a little older Did you see that? I didn't say old. It's older. And you're right. She shouldn't be on a ladder. And this group of people came to her house and said, we want to do this for you. They not only put on their deck, they paid for their deck. And they're going to pick out railing today. Here's the thing. It's not that Sister Karen and Brother Mike didn't have the cash to pay for it. That's not it. She said, it was nice to know that God knew. It was nice to know that God was blessing. And I looked at her and I said, oh, Karen. I said, you know what God did? God said, those who love me, I love in return. And I made provision for you. I made provision. Listen, there is nothing that God doesn't love that he doesn't provide for. Nothing. Even down to the birds. If he provides for them, then how much greater would he provide for you? I'm here to tell you that if you'll put it in the man's hands, he'll take care of it. He provides for that which he loves. Amen? Seek me. Seek him first. Let him prove himself to you as provider. And drop your self-reliance and your own pride. Let's go to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. 7 through 10. And here's what it says. It said, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long drought, months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You get that? You never stop making more. You never stop having enough. In fact, you have enough to give to others because it never stops producing fruit. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Whew. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. Oh, see, you, can't, you can hide motive from man but you can't hide it from God. I give all people, all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. That's a strong word right there. Sometimes when you just take and read it in a different translation, it just becomes real. Like it just blew up in my face. I'm like, oh my goodness. Listen, God knows. It says this, the word says, blessed, well off, happy is the one who trusts in the Lord. Not in man, not in the market, your stock market, not in where you got your investments, your retirement, your 401k. Not in the interest rate that your CD's paying. I'm telling you that God's saying that if you'll put your trust in me, tomorrow all of what you have could be gone. Every bit of literal physical sense of money could be gone. Do you understand that? And everything be determined that all we have is to trust in God. I think we should just take our losses now, don't you? I think we should just begin to put all of our trust and our confidence in who God is now. Because we're not guaranteed a job tomorrow. We're not guaranteed safety for tomorrow outside of God's grace and his mercy. For it's in him that we live and move and have our being. Not in our jobs. Then there's the next heart of a king. His name was David. Acts 13.22 says, After removing Saul, he made David their king. This is God. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Listen to this. He will do everything I want him to. See, heart connected to obedience. You can't separate them. You can't separate them. And if you do, it brings wickedness. That's the point. The only way this works is good heart, evil heart. You can't be good and evil. I'm going to prove that to you later. I'm going to prove that to you later. It's not what people wanted David to do. Did you hear what he said? He will do everything I want him to do. David spent time with God. He knew him. He would worship and pray while he was keeping sheep. God knew him. And David knew God. We were singing the song this morning that your presence, in your presence, I am changed. It changes everything. Some of us need to quit trying harder... And just start sitting at the feet of the Savior and reading and learning and worshiping and praying. And the change will begin to happen. Don't you realize we can't change ourselves without the Holy Spirit's help. It's in His presence. It was what Pastor Javed said last week. In His presence there's provision. In His presence there's blessing. In His presence there's everything you need. But you got to step in the presence. you got to take the time to love what he loves. To worship, to pray. Then you'll know what he knows. You'll know what he thinks. See, David was not perfect. He was not perfect at all, but he had a heart. Let's go to 1 Chronicles. I want to just read you a part of David's heart. It was so beautiful. First Chronicles, the 29th chapter, it says, David praised the Lord, 10 through 17, sorry. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly saying, you know what that means? Right here. David lifted up his voice amongst all the people in Israel that loved God. He said, praise be to you, Lord. O God, our father of Israel, yours, Lord is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven, everybody believes everything in heaven is God's, right? But watch this, and earth is yours. Yeah, we don't believe that here. You want to know why? Because we believe in the American dream. And I own my house. Come on, who gave you that deed? Come on, who do you think gave you the ability to own that property? Who do you think moved on a president's heart years ago and said we should let these people have land? Here's what I'm here to tell you today. I don't care what your deed says. What does the deed of the Lord say? Because I'm going to tell you, if you own a house, you really don't own it. You own it for him. He owns your house. And whatever he tells me to do with our house, whatever he tells us to do with our house, we're going to do. That's where that woman is. Whatever's mine's mine, and whatever's yours is mine. That's where that came in. Sorry, honey. <laughs> Whatever God tells us to do with what he gave us is his. Because everything in the heaven and everything in this earth... See, man gets this idea that just because they don't serve the Lord... Like, just think of the Bill Gates. My, my boys used to say they were going to have a full-time job, and all they were going to do is walk behind Bill Gates. Because... He doesn't have time to pick up $100 bills because it cost him too much money to bend over and pick it up. So Lincoln and Quentin thought it would be a good idea that they were just going to pick up Mr. Gates' bills. I said, well, unless he doesn't take his wallet out of his pocket, nothing's falling out. He's not made of dollar bills. The wind don't blow and they fall off. They were younger at this time. They just thought it was amazing because he had money to lose. Here's the thing. Bill Gates thinks that he earned his money. Everything Did God just not say? He owns everything. Some of you that got a beef because sinners have more money than you, there's a reason they got more money. It's okay. It's all right. It may be that some of them are wise, but some of them are using godly principles. Hear me out. Some of them are wise, and they're using what's already been written in this word. Listen to what he says. It says, yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. Did you just say wealth and honor come from you? Huh. There's people that aren't Christians that have wealth. Oh, but it says that the wealth of the sinner will be laid up for the Christian and you get it. (laughs) God gave it to them so they could give it to you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But listen to this. This is why David has a heart after God. Listen to this. Those are, that's praise. That's just worshiping who he is and what he's done. But listen to this. But who am I? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you and we have given you only what comes from your hand for we are foreigners and strangers in your sight as we as were all our ancestors our days on the earth are like a shadow without hope lord our god all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name comes from your hand and all of it belongs to you I know, my God, that you test the heart. You test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly with honest intent. David must know that God is examining his intentions. God must know that his heart... David must know that his heart is on display. Not to the people, but he's teaching the people. He's teaching you. Through this scripture, as I'm speaking to you that God is looking at what he gives you, when you give it back to him, what is the intention of your heart when you give? And now I have seen with joy how willing your people are here, having given to you. What a heart. What a heart. Here's what I want you to identify, that David was not perfect And they were giving money to the building of the temple. And we're going to get into that later. But David had sin in his life. David, in case there are those of you that don't know, David looked upon a woman bathing. And she was married. And guess what? He went and got her and had an affair. And then, as if it wasn't enough, he could have just stopped there. No, he had her husband killed in battle so that he could have her and no one would know that he had the affair. That's pretty sinful, right? But he didn't respond the way that Saul responded. When he was confronted with the sinful nature of his heart, immediately he said, I have sinned against God. He didn't blame shift. He didn't deny what he had done. He immediately fell. Why? Because David knew what it was like to be in the presence of God. He knew what it was like to give full surrender of himself. God had delivered him before. He would deliver him again. So David repents. He offers up a sacrifice. And what happens? The prophet of God looks at Nathan and says, God's accepted your offering and he forgives you. David immediately was restored back right to where he was with God. You and I need to identify that as soon as we get separated from the presence of God, listen, I don't care, don't do this to the presence of God. You need to run back to the presence of God and ask for forgiveness. Do not hesitate. Do not wait. You don't know what's coming in the next second, and I'm telling you, the second you are separated from the presence of God, you are literally bread for the enemy to eat. But the quicker you rectify and get yourself right back to him, that strength is still there. And don't you dare believe the lie that you're not worthy. Don't you dare believe that there is shame and you deserve to be separated from Christ. That's not true. Jesus paid the price so that you could come boldly. So you could live next to him in his presence every day. Quickly, do not delay. David had a different heart than Saul and God knew what was inside of it. You know, I think when it came to blessing, David understood that all things come from God. And everything he was giving back went back to him. You know, we sing that song, uh, Worthy of It All. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. He gives you the money, he gives you the blessing. But he doesn't give you blessings that you can store it up only for yourself. He gives you blessing that you can give it back to him to do what he needs you to do to bring glory to his name. Is that not good? See, David knew. David knew. By the way, it says, I looked it up on Google. Not that Google's always right. I don't know that you should do a Bible study through Google. I'm just telling you, this was a, this was a trusted Google David, it says, gave over 20 billion B's, not M's, billion dollars to the building of the temple. To the building of the temple. That was some building program. (laughs) I'm just saying, if the pastor gave 20 billion dollars, oh Lord, that I might be worthy to hold what you've asked us to hold. Whoo, are we worthy? Are we trusted? Can you be trusted with what God wants to bring your way? Can you be trusted with the blessing that you won't get all caught up and think that it's you that brought yourself to this place, but that it actually came from Him? Blessing comes to you and I through obedience to the Lord's ways. And God uses different sources to get blessings to you, but He is the ultimate source of that blessing. He's interested in the condition of your heart and what your heart loves. And don't think that you can hide it from him because he wants all of your heart. He doesn't share well. In fact, the Bible says that he is a jealous God. He's jealous about what your heart beats for outside of his He's jealous that you want to go spend time gaming instead of spending time in his presence. I'm just being honest with you. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with gaming. Please don't say, oh, Nicky's a hater, Pastor Nicole's a hater on games. No, I'm not. I'm a hater on games having your heart. Amen. I'm a hater on your side job having your heart. I'm a hater on your girlfriend or your boyfriend or your your significant other that literally takes up all of your time and you do, 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 do and you never sit and spend time in the presence of God. God desires your full heart. He's jealous. Matthew 6, let's turn there. Now I'm going to have that song in my mind all day. Oh, Lord, I can hear it playing right here. Okay, we're going to start in the 19th verse. Do not store up treasures, up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Verse 21. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Do you realize that David's checkbook, if he had a checkbook, in the memo would have said, God's house, God's house, God's house, God's house. So the people of Israel can worship, so the people of Israel can pray, so the people of Israel can be in God's presence. Because in the presence is where they're changed. See, David's heart moved and beated for God's. He longed to be with God. He longed to be in the, prison, in the presence of God. And so David's checkbook, if you opened it up, that register would say everything of where his heart went. If you and I opened up our check register, our Chase online account, and said, see all transactions, would your heart be in the fast food? Would your heart be at the buckle? Uh, For all of you that don't know, that's a women's clothing shop. I'm not speaking to any of you. I'm speaking to myself. And by the way, Josie, you need to keep your mouth shut because Josie works at the buckle so she knows how much we spend at the buckle. What are you sharing your heart with? What does your checkbook say? What does your checkbook say? Because you can't say that your heart is not connected to where your checkbook goes. Not true. Not true. David's heart was connected to the temple. In fact, do you realize what David did first as king? The very first thing he did was he said, we're going to get that ark. That ark which holds the covenant, which holds the Ten Commandments and the presence of God has got to come out of the Philistines' hands and come back home for Israel. It belongs here. He knew that the presence of God belonged with the obedient people of God. So off he went. You know what it did? When the presence of God was with evil people, it cursed them. The Philistines didn't want it no more. They're like, you know, you put that thing on and you ship it, put some cows on there and you ship that thing back to those people. We don't want it and don't touch it because everyone who touches it, they die. They had tried. And then it went to the next house. But guess what? Those people weren't holy. They weren't consecrated. They lost people along the way. And they're like, we don't want this ark here. So Obed, Obed, it finally gets taken. But David doesn't have the temple built yet. It's not ready because God's going to tell David that I don't want you to build the temple. Oh, 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 oh. Not only, not only... Is your heart where your treasure is? But David's response to God when he said, you're not going to be the one to build it. Oh, David didn't go, you know how much I've given to that building program. Let me tell you something. I didn't get the electrical outlet I wanted. I didn't get the carpet I wanted. They didn't put that new coffee machine in the way I wanted it. David said, I'm just saying, by the way, your coffee machine is on the way. For those of you that don't know, we can't get it any earlier than December. And what they tell me is it's bigger and better and quieter and faster than any other machine they've ever had. So that's a good thing. The line should be smaller. It's fine. Here's the deal. David didn't get all uptight. But God said to him, I don't want a man of war building the temple. I want a man of peace. So I'm choosing your young boy, and he's going to be the one to build the temple. And you know what David said? Okay. Okay. Don't worry that I just gave my entire life to you and my heart and everything else and all of my money, $20 billion. Because it all came from you. It all goes back to you. That's the heart. That's the heart of David. That's what this church is. We have the heart of David. We know what we own, and that means nothing. You and I own nothing. He owns it all. Amen? Amen. Mm. David goes out, gets the presence, and brings it back. But when the presence, when the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed's house, guess what happened? Let me tell you something, when you obey the kingdom of God, when you obey His statutes, when you start walking in the way of the Lord and your heart is right before Him with no ill motive, no ill intent, not looking at what people want you to do or what they need you to do or where they think you should spend your money, but you do it according to His will, the blessing of God will overtake you. And David's like, oh, now we're getting it back. That blessing is coming right here in this temple, right here. And they bring it back. And remember how he's praising God for the temple. And his wife gets mad because he praises till his clothes falls off. That's not exactly how it worked, just by the way. He had a loincloth on. And what? No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I read a commentary in a documentary about what they did back then. And the reason his wife was mad is because she was looking down from the palace. And along with the ark, they put a whole lot of virgins... ...to lead in the procession. And David was dancing a little too aggressively... ...and she thought he was trying to do it... ...so that people could see him. I'm just telling you, you have to read it. The point is... ...the point is... ...she was trying to view... ...and to judge David's heart at that moment. But we know it wasn't David's heart... ...for his loincloth to flop open... ...and the virgins to see him. It wasn't. He was happy that the presence of God... ...was coming home... And that he could worship every day. And that he could go to the holies of holies and ask. Do you see? You and I in the holy of holies without a loincloth. Just put some clothes on, would you? Okay, okay, let's get back on track here. Where are we at? I don't even think I'm in the right chapter. I don't even know where I'm at. Anyway, 22 and 23, we're in Matthew, right? Six. Oh, yeah, my page turned. That's what it was. All right, let's go on down. The eye is the lamp to the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, let me just sum this up for you. This is not these eyes. These are spiritual eyes eyes the way you see something will affect your entire being the entire way you think and if you don't believe this you can look at the world of politics right now and what those people see spiritually is what their entire body follows the children of God looked with eyes that saw spiritually the outcome and the way in which they were supposed to go. When you and I do not see things about money or blessing or stewardship, the way that the spiritual way of God is written, it will cause disobedience and sin to be birthed in your life. What? Yeah, when you don't see or perceive things the way the Bible tells us. See, this is why it's so important that you spend time in His presence. Because the Word changes you. This is the living Zoe of God. This is who He is. This is the life of God. And when you read it, it does something for you. It changes the inside of your heart. It's alive, it's moving, it's active. And when you do that, that's what David was doing in the presence of God. When he was around that ark, the Word of God lived inside of it. Now we have the Word of God inside of us and the Holy Spirit with us, right? Changes the way you see things. He then follows up with a drop the mic moment. Here's what he says No one can serve two masters. No one, not some. No one. So if you think you can, he just told you, you can't. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He drops the mic and moves on to something else. We must be careful with our heart. God knows more than you and I know about it. And he knows you can't do two things. And you think you can. You think, no, 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 no. I'm just going to take this second job at night just for three or four months. It's fine. And then they call for your Sunday. And then they call for your Wednesday night. And you're no longer in small groups. And you're no longer in church on Sunday. And then this pretty little boy starts working next to you. Because you're a waitress, you're just hauling it. And he starts working with you. And you know what? He just starts telling you how nice you look and how hard you are working. And you know what? Your husband just don't tell you those beautiful things anymore. He just don't tell you that. All you guys talk about, you argue and fight about money because there's never enough. Never enough. Never enough. And before you know it, your marriage is on the rocks because you couldn't serve money and God. All God wanted you to do was serve him and he was going to take care of you. You see how it just starts pummeling and out of effect. That's what happens. That's what the enemy does. So we're going to start closing. John 12, 1 through 8. I know. Did you, boy, you thought I was done, didn't you? You thought I was done? I'm trying. Not succeeding. All right, here we go. Finaling up. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. "...where a dinner was given in Jesus's honor, and Martha served. While Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, that she poured, and she poured it on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of her perfume." But one of the disciples, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Hmm. Here's what I remind you of. Mary had treasure. Mary loved Jesus. Mary was devoted. She was thankful that he had just raised Lazarus from the dead. Did you get that? That was about, I think they estimate two months prior, two weeks, two months, something like that. At the feet of Jesus, here she sat spending time with Jesus. We can go to another story where there's Mary and Martha. Martha's the doer, and Mary's the one sitting at his feet. Martha wants Mary to get up and help her. And Jesus is like, No, 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 this is where you should be. Right? Right? He's telling us in his presence is where our lives are changed. She was sincere. She was constantly learning about him and his ways. She had the right intentions, and she didn't care what anybody thought. She didn't care if they thought she was trying to seduce Jesus. How many of you have heard that? Give me a break. Here she was washing his feet with her hair. I don't think she cared. If she was covered at that moment, I don't think she cared. If her hair was in rats, I don't think she cared what the people or the disciples or anyone else in that room thought. What she was doing was being led by the Spirit of the Lord to anoint Jesus before His death. And we know that because we have the Scriptures. But she didn't know that at the time. All she knew was, this is what I've got and I just want to give it. By the way, it was worth a year's wage. So all of you men and women out there, do the math real quick, because I know you're ready to. How much do you make in a year and pour it out and not be able to put it back? That's a lot. Mary's treasure was where her heart was, at the feet of Jesus. There was nothing. Why didn't she use this for Lazarus? Did you ever think of that? This was something you did in preparation for a burial. Why wouldn't, when Lazarus had been there for already, what, three or four days? He already stank. She didn't put this over his body, but she did over the feet of Jesus. I think it was just for this story, just for us. And then you have Judas on the other hand, who was the opposite. He was with Jesus for three years. Remember those hearers? They hear the word, but they don't do. But they want everybody to think they're doing. So they do the right thing. They try to give the right thing because people are watching. Try to give in every offering so you can see. I know it sounds crazy. That was Judas. But his motives and his intentions were bad. They were bad, and it revealed itself in the end. He wasn't worried about the poor. He loved money. Do we love money? Do we? Do we love the security it brings? Come on. I am talking to myself. I am so talking to myself. I'm the budgeter in our house. And buddy, when I can tuck back 200 bucks, (laughs) I feel like I arrived. Yeah! Clothes didn't take it. Sporting events didn't take it. New shoes didn't take it. $180 for shoes. Are you crazy right now, little blondie? Right there, going what me? Yeah. <laughs> I remember my dad. I, there was this pair of jeans. I'll tell you this. Then we're gonna close. I promise. My dad. He said I came home. I wanted this pair of jeans. They were the I know what in the world. I don't even know. They came from a store called Deb's in the mall. <laughs> tell you how old I am. And he said, Well, sure. I'll give you some money. He gave me thirty bucks for a pair of jeans. I said, Dad, I need more. He's like, no, that'll get a pair of jeans. I said, no, Dad, these jeans are $75. There's the Cavarikis." He said, I don't care what they are. Ain't no pair of jeans worth $75. Here's your 30 bucks. Take it. So guess who got a job and started paying for her own jeans? Because I had a pair of the Cavarikis and I wore them every day. They could stand up in my room by themselves because they never got washed, ever, ever. Listen, not very much, though. You know it. Can our hearts be bought, is my question for you today. Now more than ever, it's important that our motive for giving and serving God is sincere. It's got to be sincere, church. Because our hearts are connected to obedience, and obedience is how blessing comes. Only then does the blessing of God flow from him to us and to others if we obey. Judas was concerned about what he could get from Jesus. But Mary was consumed with what she could give. Could we waste it all on Jesus? Because that's what Judas thought. He thought she was wasting it. It wasn't a waste, it was where her treasure was. Her treasure was to be in his presence. Her treasure was to just hear one last thought he said so she could live by that thought. You just tell me, Jesus, and I'll live it. I'll do it. And you know what Mary's blessing was? The word tells us that her story would be told all throughout history. Her blessing is still going, it's still going. God's looking at the intention of our hearts. Provision and blessing are in our yes. I'm going to say a saying that Dad would say all the time, but it's now more true than ever. Salvation is free to you and I. Redemption, you're going to heaven, but it will cost you everything. All of your selfish motives have to leave, all of your bad thoughts about your neighbor. All of that hate and burning anger for people that don't think like you, got to go. Got to pray for them. Those are your enemies. You got to love your enemies. You got to pray for them. You got to pray. God says you got to give all that away and just come to me. I'll help you. Maybe there's some of you today here that have not made peace with God. And you're like, Nicole, we already had an altar call. I know, but I knew God was preparing the hearts of the people here too. Dakota didn't know what was planned for today. He didn't know that the entire message was about the heart. He thought it was about money. It is about money. If you haven't made peace with God, I wanna give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus today. There's nothing too big or too small that he will not forgive. He's in the forgiveness business. This is what our Savior does. God's not looking for a portion of our heart, church. He's looking for all of it. He's not asking you to fix it on your own. He's telling you that he's able to fix it if you'll just sit with him. Just sit at the feet of Jesus, sit in his presence. You know, people are like, why stay out, out in my car during worship? I just don't like that whole thing. You mean you don't like the presence of Jesus where he begins to change your heart? It's a little painful sometimes. I wanna give you the opportunity today. And I'm not just speaking to unsaved people here today. I'm speaking to the Christians. That you started out in obedience. But along your way, just a little bit of that self-reliance has come back. Just a little bit of that pride that says, you got this. You can do this on your own. Take a few more hours. It's going to be fine. You're making $26 an hour for that overtime. It's amazing. While your wife and kids are at home growing up without you. That's not God's plan. God's plan is to give you more than you can ever think or imagine, to bless you abundantly above and beyond what you could think. That's who God is. That's the God we serve. Stand to your feet this morning. If you're here today and you're like, Pastor Nicole, I started out right. I really did. But I've just gotten off track. This whole economy thing just drove me crazy. And I... I, I've been doing the checkbook balancing, and I just don't know where it's all going to come from, and I don't understand, so I took a second job. I took a third job. I've been working on Sundays, and this is the first Sunday I've been here in six weeks. Give your whole heart to God, your whole heart. I promise you there will be enough. I promise you that he's a God of more than enough. Mom just said, yeah, and I heard her story last week. She she was sitting in in this service, and she that thing about those brick little people that needed to be bought out of slavery came up in Pakistan. And mom said, okay, God, I'm going to give you this much. He said, no, you're going to double that. And she's like, no, maybe I'm not. And he's like, no, you're going to double that. And you know, mom, after losing dad, that's the first thing you do is you check your security level. You check your finances. You check them twice. She just made a wage. Now she makes half her wage, right? You check it. She said, but I gave it, Nicole. Guess what? That exact amount that she would kind of struggled with, but she obeyed, was sitting for her. in a check in the mail, how'd it come? Check in the mail came. And guess what God says? I'm going to provide for you. You do what I tell you to do, and when you do that, I'm going to move. God's going to do it. Cut your corner off. Cut your corners and watch God explode what you have. The laws of God do not return void. If you'll use them with the right heart. If you're only doing it to get, it's not going to work. But if you're doing it because you believe everything you own is rightfully his, then give it and watch him fix it. If that's you today, I want you to come. I want to pray with you. Pastors of this church, we're going to pray with you. We're going to recommit our lives today. If there's anyone that says, this is my heart, and right now it's just not in the right place, and I want it to be. Is there anyone? Anyone? Listen, I don't think a prophecy came a word of exhortation came forth today without there being someone in the house. So if you're wrestling, this is for you. God has made a way for you to get it right today. I'm casting the net. You can't swim away. You got to swim into it. Is there anyone? Anyone? Yes. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For answering the call. Thank you for saying yes. You. Yes, yes. And, uh, about two and a half weeks ago, uh, I was informed uh, that the first Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just come before you. And Father, you see the situation. Father, for today, he chooses Jeremiah 17. Father, for he puts his trust upon you. And Father, you will start to move on his behalf. Now, Father, I thank you for the favor of the Lord and this pension and all this thing that you've done. But God, I ask you to begin to show yourself. Show yourself to Joe and this family, Father, about what you can do and what you have already done in his stead. Father, for he needn't be worried. He needn't carry the weight of this, Father, for you have carried it. For every Everything comes from you and goes back to you. In Jesus' name. Now, Joe. morning, Ashley's singing the song, If You Want My Heart, God. You got it. Come on, lift up your voice this morning. You got it. You got it. If you want my heart. Come on. Father, you can have a heart. You got everything, Lord, in it. Look at our intentions. Look at our motives, God, for we give it to you. Father, for we know blessing only comes from God it. You got Father, it we you just thank you, Lord. Heart, we thank you, you Lord. You got it. You got it. Oh Father, we just thank you, Jesus. You Father, we just ask you that you would bless everyone here in this house today. Father, I ask this week that you continue to reveal. Father, everything we do, everything we do, everything we say, every action we make, reveal our true intention. Let our hearts and our spiritual eyes see what you see. Put the mirror up to our face, God. Reflect to us what we look like to you. God, and let us begin to change from the inside out, God, as we sit in your word, in your presence, in worship and in praise. Father, we give you the rest of our week. We thank you, Lord, that you would bring people across our paths that we could tell the love of Jesus to, that we could tell our testimony to. And, Father, that we would just let people see the love of Christ oozing from us, God. Situations, Father, in this earth that we don't know how to respond to. Father, I ask you, Lord, that you would help us to control our mouths. Help us, Lord. To to not say things that would stir a pot, but, Father, to bring things that would... Paul said, I become all things to all people that I might win some. Help us, God, to become all things this week to people that we might win some. Help us stay in the peace and unity in our communities and in our workplaces in spite of the things that are not going the way that we desire. Help us, God, to pray for our enemies. Keep our hearts pure, God, that we would hate no one and love the things that you love, God, and hate the things that you hate. We love you, Lord. We want our hearts found clean. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, we love you. We will see you on Wednesdays where we continue our small groups and continue Pastor.